Thank you for downloading the Blue Moon podcast. Please give the show your support by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon podcast. Hello and welcome to this Blue Moon Podcast New Year's Day special. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined uh, in the studio for the start of this show uh, by Richard Burns. Hi, David. And uh, you're going to hear from a lot of the Blue Moon Podcast regulars on uh, what we've picked as our game of the decade. Now, I'm going to let you into a secret first off. Uh, Nobody can pick the... I I set out some rules to everybody that nobody could pick the same game. So we're not going to talk about that. Once the game's gone, that means that's... that. You know, somebody else couldn't pick it. So some people have not had their first choice, and you know, some people have not been very happy about that. But we'll get onto them a bit <laughs> later on. Um, and the other, the other game that was banned was uh, City Three QPR Two because, for obvious reasons, that's <laughs> one of the games of the decade. So I, I let the guys. You could all pick which game you wanted as your game of the decade for whatever reason: best score, best performance, you know, best thrilling, thrilling game, best atmosphere, that sort of thing. Uh, Richard, what have you gone for? Um, I'll be honest, on the criteria laid out, I was half expecting this one to be banned too, uh, but I have gone for Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. Uh, 23rd of October 2011, although I suspect you didn't need me to tell you that. Um, <laughs> I, go on, I, I mean, I, 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 for obvious reasons, it's the game, of the, it's what it's, I can see why you pick it, but lay out your, your argument, why is, it, why is it the best game? Well, I grew up uh, with City... So, uh, you know, and uh, this, this is not a unique story, but I grew up with City so far in United's shadow that um, whilst United were winning everything, literally everything, um, City, the, the thought of City winning a trophy was unthinkable to the point that I genuinely, and I remember this as a moment of clarity, I remember accepting probably around 13, 14 that I would not see City win a trophy because that sort of... I was past that stage where I'd had a season ticket for four years at that... Three or four years of it at that point. I got it when I was 10. And, you know, I'd watched them promoted, relegated, promoted and not seen them in the same division for the first five years of having a season ticket. I made six. Sorry, yeah. it's not competition, but I know I... But I you're winning. You, yeah, yeah, before you. Uh, which uh, City weren't most of the time. Um, but, yeah, the that sort of... It wasn't quite the same boyish excitement of just being happy to go to games and I was able to think things through a little bit more clearly. And it just suddenly struck me, there's this very small selection of teams that win trophies and every now and then one creeps through and makes a cup final, but inevitably they get beat by the bigger team anyway. Um, And City, unfortunately, just one of those teams and I, I sort of accepted my lot. And so just beating United became almost a trophy in itself. But this was before I'd seen us beat United. This was before the last game at Main Road. So at that point, uh, so the last derby at Main Road. Um, and so as a youngster in my formative years as a City fan, just the thought of beating United was bigger than I could really comprehend. Obviously, fast forward a few years, we've had the 3-1 at Main Road, <clears throat> the 4-1 at... Um, the city of Manchester Stadium, as it was at the time, and some other, some other couple of three ones as well. I yeah, think in there, yeah, some um, one nil Sven, that sort of, yeah, yeah, some that damaged their chances of winning the league and were just good fun. Um, the thought of playing them 
for a trophy game or in a big game in a trophy hunt uh, had been inconceivable until the FA Cup semi-final the year earlier, which had been a landmark game, and I almost chose that one. Um, but ultimately, the 6-1, because it was a league game, because it came off the back of... I know we played Blackburn before, but it came off the back of the Tevez incident, um, and it was in their backyard. And because, for me, this was our generation's 5-1 moment. It was the leaders against the champions as well at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was It was clearly... It, it had connotations. Well, I suppose it was maybe... Maybe with the exception of the FA Cup semi-final, this was the, maybe the first time that the Manchester derby was legitimately the biggest and most decisive game in England. Obviously, they would go on to be a bigger and more decisive derby at the end of the same season. Um, but it was ludicrous. It, it was just a ludicrous game from the... The one nil, um, and sorry, I mean I've got to throw in as well. Like it, it, it sounds like a brag, but part of the reason it makes my favourites is because I had the great pleasure of being there for this game as well. So to be in that away end um, with people, I've never, I've never been at a game where at one point the goal celebration was just people laughing, and that was what we were at by the time the sixth goal went in. And then obviously there's the sort of lore of Jacko losing count when he came over to put his fingers up to show how many goals City were leading by and he put up five until Colorado had to whisper in his ear that we'd actually scored six. He'd lost count and watching Old Trafford completely empty and City fans just singing We're the Noisy Neighbours and it, it still feels surreal now that, that that game happened and we didn't deserve to win 6-1. That's the ludicrous part of it. Like it's such a big scoreline, but three of those three of those goals came in stoppage time, or certainly beyond the 88th minute. Like the, I think maybe two stoppage time, one just before. Um, when but it was when, outrageous. when Jacko scored, I mean he needed it in from Lescott's cutback, but when he scored to make it four-one, everyone kind of went, "Well, that's it, wrapped up." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, United aren't going to get two now. And then there were, yeah, two more goals to come from City. It was just. The funniest thing it, about that as well... It's still hard the, to put into words. The funniest thing about that is that the referee still only added on three minutes of time as a sympathy vote and City still managed to score twice in it. Yeah. Um, it was... I mean, there's also... A, I think I've told this story on the podcast before and I dare say it won't be the last time I ever tell it, but walking out of that ground, still a personal favourite moment, um, walking out of Old Trafford with my dad. We'd walked off uh, Matt Busby Way and we got outside where they sort of sell all the United flags and scarves, and there was a couple of young kids who I assume were maybe waiting to meet a parent or a responsible adult, and they said to us, yeah, mate, what did it finish? Was it 3-1? <laughs> Bless them, they'd obviously left early and somehow not heard the noise from the away end, and I've never felt so delighted to break a child's heart as when we said... Uh, it was six and he went you what and just reached for his phone desperately to either <laughs> to either try and get internet reception or phone someone to check what the final score was um, and that was just everything about it it was it was fantastic absolutely fantastic um, best goal of the six it's got to be David Silva's ball on it for Jekyll the, the through ball on the volley from his own half to pinpoint it to Jekyll who who puts it in. And the ludicrous thing was, Jekyll had missed a chance before that as well. The funniest a, a, thing about that one or is, two. Watch, watch the video back because he misses that chance. He puts, it, it's it's either, it might be 5-1 at the time and he puts think, a chance over the bar. Yeah, he blazes it over. And there's a United fan in the front row who does that kind of, way, <laughs> and I kind of like think, you know, that takes some balls. Yeah. 
Um, but it was it was what it signified as well. So it wasn't just a humiliation of United because let's have it right. The four one at the Etihad was a humiliation of a very good United team. City shouldn't have been doing that to them. But this didn't just dent United. It wasn't a one off result. This was something to build on. And it was when City and United were neck and neck, City had proven that they no longer had any kind of inferiority complex against United. They were to be taken seriously. And in fact, in the Community Shield at the start of that season, United had come from 2-0 behind to beat City. And Wayne Rooney said after the game that United had taught City a footballing lesson less than three full months later. And he was dishing out the football lessons then. It was just it was just a routine, systematic destruction of what was meant to be a very, very good team. And of course, at the end of the season, what just to really, really top it off, City won the league from United on goal difference, which they wouldn't have done without absolutely hammering in that game. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I'm now joined by uh, One Football's Dan Burke. Dan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Is it treating you well so far, 2020? It is. I've, yeah, not even hungover. So. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Well done. To, well done, that man. Um, we're talking Game of the Decade uh, for this special. Um, I When I put it out there and I let everybody bang see their own game, your game didn't get picked by anybody else. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to turn you down for that. You, you went in with this game and went, wham, that's my game. Mm. And, and nobody else wanted it. So uh, tell me what it is. Bit of a niche game then, I guess. Yeah, a bit of a uh, collector's item. Uh, it was the 5-1 win away at Spurs in, I want to say, October 2011. Oh, you're way out there. It's August 2011. It's about the third game of the season. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't they, it? Sorry, uh, they yeah, beat yeah. Swansea at home. They beat Bolton away, yeah. and then they went to Spurs, and that's it was right. it was the same day that United won eight two against Arsenal. Yeah, that's right, because it was Sami Nasri's debut, of course, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So and uh, so so why why that game? Why does that one? St- there's ten years of games there that City played really well in for a lot of them. So why that one? What, yeah. what stands out? About I just it? remember that day. It was a beautiful sunny day. Again, I don't know why it was October because it was a really sunny, hot, sunny day. Um, I, I went to the pub and watched it with my friends. It was just a really a really great afternoon, and it was the first time post takeover that I'd seen City play amazingly I would say it was the first real like incredible performance where you thought wow something is happening here and I suppose maybe it's because it was at Spurs because they'd had a really difficult time of it at the wild lane yeah, I mean, that was always a, a bit of a bogey ground for City. And they went there, and from first whistle to last, they were incredible. And you just thought, we're not just going for top four here this season. This is on this title challenge. You know, it's all coming together now. It was, you know, Aguero had just signed. Uh, him and Jekko were dovetailing beautifully together. It was Nasri's debut, as I mentioned. Him and Silva linked up perfectly in that game. It was just, you could see that a team had really come together that day, and it was the start of something big. Which the best goal? Uh, it's got to be Jacko's fourth, hasn't it? The fifth the goal one. of the game. Yeah, I, I disagree. Why? I think it was the header. That header was insane. It was behind him, and he flicked it the wrong way. Yeah, that and was Brad Friedel just went, "Well, if you're going to do that, I'm not going to be able to get that." Yeah. I'm sorry. I, d- I just think that for sheer, so it, the sheer sort of bonkers moment of we're already four-one up at Spurs, <laughs> cruising. You know, this crowd are doing olays. Gareth Barry makes a rare uh, <laughs> right down the field, lays it off to Jacko. Left foot, his weaker foot for his fourth goal of the afternoon, just bends it into the top corner. I think it was just a beautiful moment. Yeah. Perfect hat trick that day he had as well. He, he scored the first with his right foot, mm. the second with his header, um, and then the third with the, with his left foot. And then he he just thought, I'll oh, pop one in from from range. At yeah. The end. Why not? Why not? He was he he was really settling in at that point. I thought. I mean, you remember his first half season, wasn't yeah. that? Well, he, it took him a long time to get going. 
that was the game where I thought, actually, this guy's he's got it. He knows what he gets it. He gets what he needs to be in this mm. team. Yeah, absolutely. And his position was obviously under threat from Jack, from Aguero coming in the summer, so he, he knew that he had to to really start performing at that point. Um, obviously, they still had Balotelli there at that point as well, didn't they? So there was decent competition for players. Tevez, Tevez hadn't left. And by Tevez, that point. yeah, of course, he'd not done his uh, his Bayern Munich shit show at that point. Had he? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was a real sort of coming of age moment for Dzeko at City I think he it was he really ste- stepped up and it really that was when he sort of developed this this reputation that he'd had in, in Germany for being this sort of fox in the box and you know really taking these chances getting headers and uh, getting on the end of crosses so yeah brilliant the kit stands out for me that day yes it's one of my favourite kits yeah 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 I just yeah I always I always just remember Jacko wheeling away towards the crowd with that kit on and, and stuff it was, it was great and um yeah seeing I think I had a, a photo at the time actually of Silva Aguero and Nasri all sort of hugging each other as my like Facebook profile picture in that kit and it was just like yeah. when we all use Facebook rather than Twitter <laughs> yeah, remember exactly, those days yeah, yeah. um let's talk quickly about Nasri because um he he was City were after him all summer and that was his that was his debut I think mm. he assisted three goals that day maybe two done, or yeah. he had a hand in three goals and maybe assisted too. Um, it was, I mean, it was a hell of, a, of an introduction to have just signed from Arsenal, throw him in at White Hart Lane against Spurs and for him to come on and do that. Mm. Yeah, and it was, I mean, that was those are the days before that when the transfer window didn't close before the start of the season. So I think he'd already played a couple of games for Arsenal. So he came in and he was quite sharp as well, which was good. And yeah, he just, he just settled into the team perfectly well. I mean, I don't know if you would say that Nasri's time at City overall was a roaring success. I think it was perhaps a little bit disappointing in many ways. I enjoyed ways. it. I enjoyed he was, it. He was good, don't get me wrong. And I think his, his fellow players always speak really highly of, of Nasri's quality as a player. I don't think his attitude was ever quite spot on. And I don't think, you know, I think he was one of the first players that's kind of fall out with Mancini towards the end of his reign as well. And um, But that was a day when everything felt possible with him. Um, and he, he was just unplayable that day. Like you said, he had three assists and he was popping up all over the pitch, looking really confident. And you just thought, wow, what, what a signing we've made here. What a squad we've got now. And like I say, it's just, that was the day when it just all, it felt like it all came together. It all fell into place. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So I have briefly jumped out of the Blue Moon Podcast studio uh, because this was an opportunity I couldn't say no to. Uh, please welcome Gary James. Happy New Year, Happy Gary. Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much. Um, so game of the decade. Uh, Ten years has gone by. I was surprised that nobody picked the one that you wanted. Well, yeah. I mean, I am actually because I thought it would be one of the first ones. It's the 2011 FA Cup semi-final against Manchester United. It's a, it's a game that... I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see live, can you believe? I was was in New York. Uh I um, was on a family holiday and we looked at the fixture list. City, bear in mind that this was, that the season before City had had got to the League Cup semi-finals, knocked out by United. Uh, They made the quarter-finals, I think, the UEFA Cup, but we didn't expect them to be making Wembley that year. We hoped for it, but we didn't expect it. And so, like my mum said, I've seen some really cheap flights and accommodation for New York over this weekend. And we looked at the fixture list and it said uh, Spurs away or, no, sorry, Spurs at home or FA Cup semi-final. And we did a bit of quick mental maths and we went, well, they're not going to be in the FA Cup semi-final. And they never beat Spurs. Mm. And even then, the Spurs game might be moved because Spurs might be in the the semi-final. So let's do it. Let's go to New York. And then the weeks are ticking by and City are progressing in the Cup and they, you know, they've beaten, uh, who did they beat? They beat Notts County, they beat Leicester, you know, they, they beat Aston Villa. 
then it's Reading, and we knew going into the Reading game that if they uh, <laughs> if they won that, they got United, and we were away for it, and we're like, yeah, I really want them to get there, but I'm gonna be away for it. And then, yeah, they got that. We were in, I, for the whole of the first half, I didn't have any mobile data, so I couldn't check. We were stuck <laughs> on the freeway, trying to get into New York. Um, and I had no idea what was going on. And then it got into a bar in time to see the second half, so saw the goal, saw the red card, saw them win it. Um, but it was just the pressure of that. I, I, I hated not knowing. Oh, well, for me, I mean, it's playing United, it, this was, to me, the game. If we hadn't have won that game, we'd have been back in our box. We, wouldn't, we may never have found proper success. I mean, Especially I, after losing the, the League Cup semi-final. Yeah, because the League before. Cup semi-final, we should have won that. Yeah. You know, the first leg, it was our advantage. Second leg, I know in between, there's all the stuff about Gary Cook and what he's said in New York. And I totally support Gary and what he said, because he was talking to the City fans. But, you know, he was saying, when we beat Manchester United. Um, and they used, they used that as ammunition, I suppose, and we ended up losing that game, uh, the second leg, and it was controversial, and bottles being thrown, and all that. So when it came to Wembley 2011, this was, the, we, it was our do or was, die. I was gonna say, was it do or die? I felt so, I felt so, because, and, and stupid stuff, like we were driving down, and so this is the first time since the playoff final that um, I'd been to Wembley, watching City. Right. Um, First time City had been there since the playoff. Exactly. And you, we're travelling down and we did what we you used to always do, stick a scarf out, a City scarf hanging out the window. Right. And, and as you're driving down, you sort of see a few other City fans and then you see a few United fans. And But it was predominantly City fans going down to Wembley and I, that made me feel good. But listening to Radio 5, they had um, Terry Christian and, believe it or not, Stuart Hall picking the combined Manchester team. Right, the greatest Manchester team of all time. And it's not United, even Stuart Hall was picking ridiculous stuff. It was like the only goal, the only player of ours was something like Bert Troutman. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking bloody hell, you know. Anyway, get down to Wembley, it was tense. Um, there was some trouble outside. There's a pub um, just opposite Wembley, which was United. They were throwing bottles at the coaches that were passing that they had the City on. And it was really tense. It was really one of those, it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't enjoyable. Um, got in, I was on the sort of block, I can't remember what the number was now, but five, whatever it was. And yeah, right up, near up, the back. up in the gods. Yeah, yeah, only about six rows from the back of it. Um, but that day, it just, once the game started, it felt as if we want, we definitely wanted it, and we wanted it more than United. It felt as if for the United fans that were there, they were petrified that City might finally get to a major final. Do you remember the, the build-up to it as well? Because, because it was basically, how are these two teams going to cope without their star striker? Tevez was injured for of City. Of course, yeah. Rooney was suspended for United. Yeah, I was delighted that Rooney... Well, actually, no. Thinking about it, Rooney, for me, whenever he played a derby match, he'd either get sent off or he'd do something stupid. And obviously, the occasional great goal. Um, but for me, us losing Tevez was massive. It was a, big, a real problem. Um, I thought it was bigger for us than it was it for was. United losing well, Rooney. We still hadn't got a great squad. I mean, our squad was improving, but we didn't have a team that genuinely were title contenders, really. Not really. We were getting there. We were heading, heading towards it. Um, because what had happened, if you think about it, we were still relying on some of the players that had been brought in to stop us getting relegated in the first season after, you know, during yeah, the takeover. Yeah. So, so, for me, being in Wembley, though, the feeling... 
Um, the United fans were so negative and, and so on, and we were supportive, and we did the Poznan when their team was announced. And that sort of, I know it sounds stupid now, but that shocked Wembley. Yeah. We all turned our back, and we did. But it, I mean, watching it back, I'm kind of sad that I was never there for that. Yeah, because you, it's one, when, it's when you not watch it on TV, there was, I remember a Sky Sports ad where it was, it was at Wembley, it was the entire city end doing that. And just, it was United players in contrast. Yes heads down, yeah. looking the other way, and it, it, it felt, I mean, it sounds daft, but it felt like it, it just gives City a lift at the start. When, we, when, when our fans, back then, our fans were still at this desperate point, we wanted success, but we did whatever we could, and I think this is, well, it's maybe something we've lost a little bit, but that day, the fans gave us the advantage from the start, right? So they had these world-beating players, because don't forget, you know, their, their team was, well, they won the title, They won the they? title that year. Yeah, so we're not talking about the current United team, we're talking about a team that was capable of success in Europe still, you know, they could have done something in Europe, and a team that had won the league, or was going to win the league. So that game, obviously it was tense. Obviously it was full of drama, but I never once really felt that we were actually going to lose it once it started. Once it started, before Ander did, before Ander fought, you know, <laughs> but once it started. Um, it was United early on though, because you know, I remember they oh, had, they had two, the first, good, two really yeah. good chances early on. Yeah, I tried to wipe that from my memory, but, but I think maybe it was because we'd survived that. Maybe yeah. we'd survived that and changed. And then of course, when it comes to the goal, well, Yaya Tui could do no wrong for me that year, or any, any year really. Um, and you know, it just sort of, I know it's not quite like this because you can show the film and you can <laughs> see it, but it felt as if he knocked absolutely everybody out of the way. <laughs> Charging forward and stuff. It's it, it was like, like, it was like mean, when you watch the dad play with the kids, yeah. just storming through yeah. the middle of it all. And then, you know, he scores the goal at our end of the stadium. We all go crazy, all the usual sort of stuff. And yes, it still was tense after that, but for me, that game, of all the games at Wembley, it, it was probably it was probably the tense, the most tense in some way. Oh no, Liverpool, the Liverpool game might have been more tense, but it was it was a game we had to win, and it ended up for me now. It's still my favourite Wembley moment of the you know of the modern era, and my favourite game of the last ten years because. Well, just, I was going to say, just finally, explain why that's the game of the decade. Because I mean, obviously, I've ruled out the QPR game. Nobody's been allowed to have that, but. There are there are other games that were more entertaining than that one. There are, so so what that, is it about that, that game that makes it that the game, game the changed decade? everything? That game was the day that we could stand up and say, we we can beat you, because United, no matter what we like to pretend today, United were the enemy. United were the team we had to beat. United were the ones that that had been so successful. So to actually beat United, it meant that whatever followed in the final would be easy to some extent but we deserved it we'd beaten the best at the time and you know they were they were the by far the biggest enemy any team could have and you know I've often said to people we never we didn't just share our conurbation our name if you like with another football team we shared it with the one that claimed to be the greatest club on the planet and we beat them that day we passed them and that meant that when it came to 2012 and QPR we had nothing to fear we would continue you know we would fight to the end we would do it and I honestly think that that game set us up for the great the great 2011-12 season I think and, it set us up and potentially where the two clubs are now oh yeah and it, I think it seriously affected United 
Um, I know they went on to win the league again and stuff like that, but yeah, I think that, that, that was the first blow. The second blow was QPR, the QPR game in United. Um, but for me, 2011, if we, hadn't, if we hadn't played United in that semi-final and I didn't won them, I don't think we'd have had the success we've had and I don't think United would have fallen in the way they have done. <laughs>
when we're 1-0 up and we should be maintaining that lead, there'd been a bit of a goal-mouth scramble. Uh, Gareth Barry cleared one off the line, I think, around that time. And Clichy just bombing forward for that second goal uh, and squaring it to... Were you honestly thinking, corner flag it, yeah, exactly. corner flag it, why are you going but, to corner flag it, yeah, man? Uh, that's exactly what I was screaming. Like I say, I was on my knees in front of the TV. Uh, but typical City went for the attack and just that, when that second one went in, I think that was probably the highest moment of being a City fan league-wise in my time. Up to that point. Up, up yeah. to that point. Obviously, we'd had the FA Cup win the year before, but that was the real... We were t- talking about arriving at the top table. That's what I keep referring to. Do you remember there was a point in the second half? It was 1-0 to City at the time, and uh, Micah Richards had come on as a substitute because Mancini was in that stage where he was he was keeping the team the same every week because mm. he was superstitious. And Micah Richards had come on. And within 30 seconds or so, he he made one of the blocks of the season. It was a, a shot from the edge of the box. He had both hands behind his back, so he knew he wasn't going to handball it. It hit him in the chest and went behind for a corner. And it just like it, it, it was absolutely belted at him. That was just epitomised that performance, that blood and thunder win yeah. at any cost. Put your body on the line. I, I alluded to the goalmouth scramble with Barry. Um, Mikric just came on. I thought he's. Because he'd had a handball just in the season, maybe earlier on in the season, League Cup against Liverpool, where, where he hit hand- foot, yeah, his foot up to his arm. Up. And he learnt from that. And every time he blocked a shot since then, it was arms behind his back. He was almost one of the first defenders to do that. Everyone does it now because of VAR. But, um, you know, the body's on the line. You knew exactly what it meant. And I think that's why it stick- that game sticks in my memory because the commitment to the cause and what it meant to us because it was the first one that it, it was a no-brainer when you asked me to name a, name a game it was funny because like all the others came back with oh I'll, I'll need to think about it you came back with bang that's yeah. it that's my game of the, of the decade I think it's that's... one that's less obvious but for me it was the arrival that's what I keep going back to the was finally I had a team that knew how to win championships because I mean the, the funny thing is with this and we've heard it with some of the other guys and we'll hear it with with some of the others later on in the in the episode Game of the decade can be anything. It can be a best performance. It can be, be like most end-to-end game that you've seen, most goals scored, the most like the one that contained the best goal. This game doesn't fit any of that criteria. Yeah, it's that precursor that I alluded to. I think with without the Newcastle, you don't get the QPR. Um, we we needed that performance. The fact that it was away as well. I think off the back of the derby as well. Yeah, exactly. It was the momentum we needed to keep winning. Um, I don't know who United had that game week. Um, Swansea. It was Swansea right. at Old Trafford because it was straight after City's game and right. it, it was like a funeral. We watched the game afterwards and it was like a funeral in Old Trafford. Yeah, I think there was, there was such a you know a, a ruffle effect after that, a ripple effect after that game. I think that's why I, I hold it in such, import- uh, such importance. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So I'm now joined by uh, Goal.com's Jonathan Smith. Jonathan, Happy New Year. Thank you. And um, to you. Thank you very much. Um, now, for Game of the Decade, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the listeners into a little secret here. Um, we obviously, I, I, we have a WhatsApp group. I put the message in that we we're going to do this. And uh, John, you weren't that quick off the mark. No, I never am. I'm always too slow with these things. So I? when you suggested your first game, and I said, oh, it's gone. And your second game, <laughs> oh, it's gone. And your third game, and it's gone. And you, you had a little bit of a strop. Yeah. Which game have you picked? I was going to choose the uh, home home win against Wigan one nil, but you wouldn't let me have that one. So <laughs> I chose. Not true at all. <laughs> I've chosen the uh, Pep Guardiola's first Manchester derby, the two one victory at Old Trafford. It's a bit of a of a left field choice, I think, for best game of the decade. But I but I did say you can define best game of the decade any way you want to. So so go on. Why why is that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was anywhere near the best performance of the decade. You know, I wouldn't say it was anywhere. Probably not even in the top twenty. 
Um, but I just thought it was a a monumental day. I thought it was a day that I and maybe quite a few other people realised this is what Pep Guardiola's Manchester City is going to look like and it's going to be incredible. Filmed with Claudio Bravo errors. Uh, well, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful <laughs> thing, but that, that was a, that was part of the day was Claudio Bravo was, you know, it was a big thing that Joe Hart had gone. He wanted this goalkeeper and everyone was like, that was that was the one big thing that everyone was like, well, I'm not sure about Pep if he wants to get rid of it. He doesn't know how good Joe Hart is. And he brought in Bravo and City were giving him the ball, laying the ball back to him. You go back to the first goal, and we'll probably talk about the, the actual game a bit more in depth, but that first goal starts with Bravo playing a, a ball across to Kolarov, who's about two yards inside the uh, touchline. And Route one, wasn't it, over the top? Well, it was. De, De Bruyne it, flick to Inacho? Uh, no, Inacho flick to De Bruyne? It was, but they brought they, they drew the United players onto them, and that was, you know, that was, you know, we hadn't... It's quite common now with Alisson Edison and um, Kepper um, that the goalkeepers do this, not the, not square passes, but that was quite new for then. Uh, and Bravo did it, and and then in the second, you know, he obviously made that clangor, and could have been sent off in the second half. Well, I remember right? Ex- well. Yeah, exactly. Because you you think right, most managers would say, "Oh, right, she debut, you know, just be safe, get, get, be safe, get rid of it." So second city kept knocking the ball back to him. Um, he did a dummy on, can't remember it was maybe Ibrahimovic overran the ball, took out Rooney. Um, but perfectly good challenge in my eyes. I think if anything else, <laughs> you know. Shocker. Um, but that was that, that. That this it was the dawn of the new city. This is what it, it was going to be about. But you go back to that first half. It was it was incredible. Was that? I mean. City have obviously had some good results at Old Trafford in in recent years. Um, but was that in terms of, of of a performance at Old Trafford as as an act, a, a, an all encompassing thing? When you think back to like the six one, for instance, in in Mancini's time. They uh, that first half that they played in that game, United were on top and they got the goal against the runner yeah. play and they eased the way through the gears. From that, I remember from Pep's first derby at Old Trafford, City were in control of that first half until Bravo dropped the ball at Ibrahimovic's feet. Yeah, that that 30, first 45 minutes, well, up, sorry, up until the clangor, United just didn't get a touch of the ball. City were just passing it around them. It, it, it was it was brilliant to watch. But the, it was also on the back of what, what the season had, had begun with, which was City appointing Pep and a lots of talk about Pep's versus way. Mourinho and well, Pep. Well, first of all, it was Pep's way will not work in England. He needs to change. He needs to. He needs to develop. You know, this ticky tacky style is not going to work in England. So forget it. And there was, a, there was, was a, your mate Stan Collymore, wasn't it? That uh, was. Uh... I don't know. About that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots of people rubbing their hands saying we're going to knock him down a peg or two. And then obviously Mourinho comes in, and you, and you know the, the way the, the way their relationship had gone in Spain, and and it was like United had brought in Mourinho as the only guy they could think of to stop Pep. And the first time they met, the first 45 minutes, Pep City absolutely destroyed you. Mourinho's United. He looked like a, a fresh, innovative, exciting manager, and Mourinho looked outdated on that day. Um, and also, the you know, you, know you, you look at that City t- side that day, and that, you know, you compare it to the two title-winning seasons, it was 
it was way off, really. You know? Well, it had. Well, you said it had Kolarov in it. Um, Kol- it. I mean, Kolarov was brilliant that day. He was really, really. He said, I mean, he obviously did that seventy-yard hoof, <laughs> but he was a bit more still, yeah. Um, but like, you think he, he hadn't changed the fullbacks by then? He, he, yeah, Aguero was, was suspended for that day. Yeah, so I think it was Sanya and yeah, Kolarov would have been on the left, wasn't he? Otamendi. Um, so it, yeah, Kalechi started up front. He got taken off for Fernando. Nolito was playing. You know, it was. It, it's not a classic it, team, is it's it? No, <laughs> no, and Bravo in goal. You'd think, you know. They might struggle in the Carabao Cup, maybe the, the, that side, that side. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome, and it was a day when you sort of realised, yeah, that brilliant Barcelona team that was so, which everyone enjoyed watching, how wonderful they were, and it, you know, okay, Lionel Messi was a genius, but it wasn't just that; it was Iniesta and Xavi and and Piquet passing it out from the back and stuff like that, and you thought, you know what, he could just this. He's actually going to bring this to City, um, and this is unlike anything that England has ever seen before. Did you at any point later in the season not waver and think, "Oh, actually, it might not work"? Because like, I'm thinking like games against Leicester, games against Everton, yeah. where, where they got battered. Yes, but definitely. Like, because even when you were talking to me then about that Manchester derby, I was thinking, "Oh, well, from that point on, yeah, clearly it was obviously going to work." But it, it necessarily, not necessarily, was. No, it wasn't. No, that's right. And it, yeah, particularly that Leicester one, um, the. Being in the press room afterwards, press conference afterwards, Pep being asked about, he said something about like coaching uh, tackles, tackles yeah, yeah, and he and he said if you want someone to coach tackles, you've got the wrong guy, and you could he could just that, that that was just perfect for what people wanted to hear because the, there were so many people who were like this you, you need to tackle in England, that's how it goes, and then they weren't laughing twelve months later. Well, they? and then 12, twelve months later, they won the, they had the fewest tackles of anyone in the. Uh, of any team in the league, and and they won the title. You don't have to tackle anyone if you if you've got the ball though. Well, so, well, you just fouled them. Oh, you just fouled them. <laughs> yeah, <I suppose. laughs> um, yeah. So it, it was it, it it was a teaser of what was to come. It wasn't it wasn't the start of it because they you know there's there's no doubt that they had troubles the following you know Everton away there was there was plenty of problems to come. Um, but, it, but it was it was a, it was a little window into what was going to happen. And what would you have picked if you'd have got in first? Well, QPR. <laughs> well, I banned that one. Oh, so. of course you did, yeah. Um, well, I would have gone for the 6-1, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So I'm now joined by Howard Hawking. Happy New Year, Howard. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you very much. Uh, we're obviously we're talking game of the decade. Um, I, the rules I put on it meant that a few people couldn't get their first choice. I'm interested. Was this one your first choice? Yes, it was. It yeah. was. Uh, tell us which one it was. It was Manchester City five, Monaco three. And I'm going to level with you. That would have been my choice if oh, I was yeah. in your seat as well, because um, I've never seen. I've never gone into a game expecting so little and got so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think we knew at the time they were very entertaining sides, but my reasoning is immediately it's the only time I've come out. I mean, we've done podcasts and writing match reviews for, I don't know, seven, eight years, ten years. The only time I've come out and I had no interest in analysing what we did badly, wrongly, I just thought that is the most entertaining game I've ever been to. It was just bonkers. Yeah. It was absolutely bonkers. I mean, it started with a Raheem Sterling goal on 26 minutes, which actually seems quite late for everything that happened. 
Yeah, and that's um, probably the goal I don't remember at all. Because well, cause it, the, yeah, because it was the opening. We all thought it was going to be comfortable at that stage. Yeah. And then it just, mayhem just happened. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm sure I watched it again about a month ago. There's even a penalty we didn't get. I'm sure Aguero was booked for diving it when was, he was he taken was, he out. He chopped in, down, yeah. It was a and no one remembers whack. that, and then there's the eight goals, and it was just the penalties. You know, you have a bit of everything. And just, I think even when Falcao scored that chipped goal, I was just like, I clapped. I thought, I hope no one's going to have a go at me. But I don't <laughs> think I was actually alone there because the, some of the goals were just beautiful as well. But then it had a comeback as well. And who knows how many missed chances we've probably forgotten about well, as well. There was chance after chance. It was uh, Sterling, then Falcao on 32 minutes uh, with, I think it was a, a bad kick from Caballero that set Monaco back up on a quick attack. Um and then Aguero was booked for diving while he was at one all, so City should have had a penalty and possibly yeah. gone two one in front. Suddenly it's in the back of their net from Mbappe. It's just nonsense. Yeah, that was just a simple run through, wasn't it? And just welled it into the back of the net. It's probably the first time. Well, no one knew about him then, really, did they? He, was that his? He first... could only have been about seventeen then, or. And I, I, I just seem to remember the commentary on that game going sort of like everything we've we've heard about this free scoring Monaco side is coming true. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, you know what, Monaco City should be beating a team like Monaco. And then they went and won the French league ahead of PSG. Yeah. So it was two one at half time, and that was the boring half, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, um, come out, come back for the second half, and the first thing that happened is then Falcao missed a penalty. Yeah. Which I've kind of forgotten as well. Otamendi. Um, yeah, just... I'm not sure that was a foul, actually. I'm remembering it now. It came across the... It was a tug, I think, when the ball came across no, the... No, he slid area. in. He slid in and chopped him down. Like, ah, right. but... Maybe I'm thinking of something else then. But then, but like the ball went behind and we were set up for the goal kick and everybody just went, oh, well, that, that, he's obviously just given the goal kick. And then suddenly he went, no, let's have a penalty for that. Are you sure he absolutely took him out? Yeah, so well, I'm going to have to try. Yeah, watch this. He thing. was. He, he was. I thought he was a penalty yeah. at the time, and I thought, oh, he's got away with that, and then he didn't get away with it. Yeah, and then Aguero equalised, and that's probably one of the goals I don't remember that well either. On so the... you don't remember any of this game, but it's your no, game I of the do. Decade. I remember. <laughs> I remember the comeback, and I just remember you know Sane at the far post, and uh, yeah. No, I remember. But it's bizarre because I think more goals were scored at the end. I was at. That's why I remember, because I was in the south stand, as I still am, I just remember their goals and the penalties and the non-penalties a lot more and the comeback at the end. Yeah. But when there's that many goals, well, when City score that's this many goals, you, um, you'd be amazed how many you don't remember, like brilliant goals. Well, it's funny because um, the goal of the game, for me, weirdly, was Falcao's chip. Yeah, even though it wasn't scored by a City player, it was there were some great goals in that game, but that one was just it was it, it like you you were saying you applauded it after it had gone in against City to put them three two behind. Yeah, timidly because I didn't want didn't know what the reaction around me. That's weird. I mean, how often would you do that against any opposition team? It would probably have to be a European game because there's I no think, no tribalism there. But I think I did it once for Graham Dorans. Yeah. <laughs> I think Zola, we clapped off Zola once yeah. after he destroyed us all. Thierry Henry when we expected to lose anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was beautiful, wasn't it? It didn't, yeah, it just, just under the bar and just the light kind of floated in the air for a bit. It was amazing, really. It's that moment where Caballero off his line and he jumps for it and he just goes, and he oh, knows. Oh, <laughs> I've been done. I've yeah. just been done. Uh, speaking of Caballero, though, the, like, he had a 
record by the time he left City as a decent penalty stopper. Um, he didn't need to be a decent penalty stopper to stop the one from Falcao because it was it was crap. But yeah. you know, he, he stood. It was a point where City would have gone three one behind if that had gone in. Yeah. Well, I, I always think Caballero. I think of our domestic treble that if he'd come on, we might not have had that domestic treble. <laughs> you know, with Chelsea this year. So uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Our backup keepers do tend to be. Uh, Fairly decent at penalties. At penalties, yeah. Or yeah. they just get a lot of practice in the, the League Cup, maybe. I don't know. Do you remember? Most of our penalty shootouts are in the League Cup, aren't they? So. Do you remember uh, after the goal that made it 3 3, the Aguero one from the corner? It got flicked to the back post and yeah, volleyed and he it. Volleyed it, yeah. So that's one of the best. And it's probably the fourth. It's Sane at the far post, the final goal. Yes. So the fourth one is probably the one you'll have to. That was John Stones. John Stones. Oh, yeah. Again, near the far post. Yeah. So I just flicked on. Flicked through for a corner. He prodded it in at the back post after he'd been caught out for the Falcao chip where he was, he, he seemed to have control of the ball for the, the Falcao one and then Falcao just, he was just stronger than him and, and took it off him. Yeah. So Sane on 82 minutes, so a whole eight minutes without when, a goal when after that. It, weirdly, I actually think the fact that City didn't carry on with the chaos in that game made uh, was what knocked them out that year because I think I, at that point Monaco I thought were dead on the feet and City could have had a couple more goals maybe in the yeah. last eight minutes well I guess they're thinking a two goal lead but it's that damn away goals again so. three away goals that they conceded and yeah. to be honest the second leg was just such a yeah an opposite of what this game was because he brought I mean, we got it back to 2-1 as well with I don't know 50 minutes to go didn't yeah. we so we're still going through despite that first half hour and we're appalling so I don't think you can blame it on the first one to take a two-goal lead after the chaos. And as you said, we were behind twice, more than what, yeah, twice yeah. and a missed penalty. You're probably thinking at 5-3, don't let them get it down to 1-2 is a good lead after all the chaos. Yeah, with hindsight, you probably think could have done, you know, maybe that was our chance to go for it. But I wouldn't be surprised if City were dead on their feet by that time as well. So what was it about that game that puts that above, say, the 6-1 at Old Trafford or, you know, the the, the FA Cup win against United at Wembley? Uh, definition of greatest, I would say. I would I picked it on what was just the greatest game of football. So like a neutral would say that was... It was one of the most entertaining, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's the most cherished... It's not my most cherished game or anything like that. I think it's the greatest. I've taken it literally. That's the greatest game of football because it had virtually everything. Only a red card would have really, uh, yeah, a miscarriage of justice from the referee or something like that. Whereas but, now, now we get VAR decisions. Yeah, but a red card is probably the only thing that was missing. But yeah, well, like this, you can't have it all. Can can't you? have it all. Maybe next decade we'll get a game like that. And uh, it was, and it's just you know you talk about great atmospheres that. That game just had it all. I mean, it went from the ups and downs, the roller coaster of emotion during that game was astonishing. Yeah, I remember my partner for that game had said, uh, oh, "I might get a ticket. I might might get a ticket and, and come with you." And I went, "Nah, it's it's not going to be a great game." Yeah, and then <laughs> turns out to be one of the best games that that city have played. And I I agree with you. I, I'd have picked it on pure entertainment end to end entertainment yeah. value as well. It was, um, I've, I've I was shell shocked walking out of that stadium. I mean, just to be boring and clinical the 6-1 was wasn't that exciting for quite a long time (laughs) (laughs) well it just all came near the end really it came as soon as you know johnny evans was sent off it all it really got going then but this was a game that you know pretty much after the first five minutes 
just, you know, didn't stop. It just didn't slow down at any point. So. Minute five to minute 90, it was a, a roller coaster yeah. of, uh, of emotions. Well, Howard, uh, thank you very much for, for the nominations. Pleasure. Hopefully uh, hopefully we'll see some equally as, uh, as entertaining games in the next decade. Uh, we'll have to find out in 10 years' time when we do this show again then. Yeah. Uh, if you've if we've missed off any suggestions that you think, uh, do let us know at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Have a happy new year. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Take care. was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast